You guys feeling good? Hey, uh, just want to kind of open up this time, um, be real honest with you guys. Um, this topic is one that oftentimes finds its way into um, either offending people or causing a lot of questions in people. And so what I want you guys to know, and ultimately before I even just hop into anything I'm going to say, what I want you to know is the reason that we share these things, Sarah, Rich, all of us from the stage, is because we want you to know the truth. And as Christians, as people who claim to believe in Christ, we have a different worldview than the world that you're surrounded by. And so what ends up happening is you're surrounded by a world that says it's wrong to do this, it's wrong to say these things, it's actually not a sin to do these things, it's not a sin to do these things. And what that leaves is an imprint in your minds as to what it means to actually live under the authority of Jesus Christ. Because as Christians, it doesn't just mean like, when we give our lives to Christ, it doesn't just mean we pray to prayer one time. What it means is that we've reoriented our lives and our minds around the truth. And so what that means is that we actually no longer get to just think however which way we were thinking prior to our salvation, prior to us giving ourselves to the Lord. We actually have to change. And our minds have to change. We actually have to see the world in a way that aligns with the word of God. And yesterday, or a couple nights ago, Rich was talking about the word of God and its validity and its power and the fact that it's true and the fact that, it, that, that, that it's legitimate. And throughout the ages, it stood the test of time through its translations, through, through its history. And we're actually able to trust this as the word of God. If you guys have questions about that, if you guys have questions about, man, how do I actually believe whether or not the Bible is true, I'd encourage you guys after this to come up and ask me these questions that you have. Oftentimes what I've figured out and kind of the conversations that I've had with un unbelievers, uh, agnostics, atheists, I went to UCLA and I was surrounded by those kinds of people and I had many discussions with those people that align themselves with that worldview. And most of the time, what ends up happening is for the most part, even if they don't know whether or not they can disprove whether the Bible is true, ultimately, it's an issue of the heart. And ultimately, they just would rather not believe in God. And they'd rather not believe in Jesus Christ. And they'd rather not, they make it a conscious choice not to believe in these things. Why? Because they'd rather live the way that they want to live. And they'd rather fit into society. And they'd rather go along with the things that society says is good rather than the things that God says is good. And so what I want for us to do now is just to clear our minds and come to the fold and understand, man, what if I'm wrong about the way that I think about things? What if I'm actually wrong about the way that I think about sexuality and, and, and identity and all these things? What if I'm actually wrong about these things? 
And I ask that you'd come with an open mind and God would soften your heart and that you would listen to him as we speak. I'm not here to argue you guys into a different understanding. I'm not here to argue you guys into believing these things. Ultimately, it's impossible for me to come up with an argument that's going to be good enough to change a heart of stone into a heart of flesh. And so, what I want you guys to know is that I love you, and the reason I'm saying these things is because I do. Because I believe and know it to be the truth. And so, we'll talk about that in a few short moments. If you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Psalms 119. Psalms 119. Give me a thumbs up when you guys are there. Awesome. Hey, I'm going to start us off. We're going to start off in verse 1. We're going to go down to verse 10. Here's what it says. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts, to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame. Having my eyes fixed on all your commandments, I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. And in verse 9 and 10, here's what it says. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, God, of all the stories that are represented in this room and all the beliefs that are represented in this room, God, I pray, like I said earlier, that you would challenge our beliefs that they do not line up with your word. God, that you would give us not only an understanding of your word, but a hunger for it, and a hunger to know you. God, we cannot live this life without you. We cannot pretend to fight our sin and be successful if we're not relying upon you and your word. So God, we're thankful for this time and this morning. You are a good God. We love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Ultimately, we live in a culture that is saturated with sexuality, with pornography, with all these things that distract our minds and train our minds to think a certain way. I could easily kind of dive into a seminar that's talking about social media, and I, and I see such a distinct connection between social media and our sexual purity. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about that to start off with. Okay? I hope you guys know that the way that social media works is actually is designed to get at your desires. As people that are on social media, that are scrolling, that are on TikTok, Instagram, I hope you guys understand that Instagram and TikTok and all these different social media platforms are designed to trigger, trigger and focus in on what is truly your desire as a young person. 
And so, you know, there's jokes that have been made. A lot of people watch The Social Dilemma and freaked out or whatever. But the truth is, is that, man, as we are on these phones and as we're in these apps, we need to recognize it's designed to bring up things that you desire. Things that are to draw you in, things that bring you in. And so the question of purity ultimately comes from a few different places. And the first is our hearts, but the second is our lack of wisdom. I want to talk about our lack of wisdom right now. And for all of us to be spending the amount of time we are on our phones and thinking that we can remain pure while doing that. It said that the average amount of time that a teenager spends on his phone, his or her, his or her phone, is about nine hours a day. The average. The average. Okay? And that's after the pandemic. Before the pandemic, it was around seven hours. So it's hiked up as the pandemic has hit. And so the amount, sheer amount of time that we spend on our phones is astounding. Not only on our phones, but on these platforms, like I said, that are designed and their marketing plan is to reach us at our core desires. And I hope you know this, that it's not just social media's plan. It's not just these marketing agencies. It's not just these apps. It's the entire world. The world, as we read in the Bible, is not ran by physical things. It's spiritually run. And it's run by who we call the father of lies. And ultimately, as we look at our purity and the things that we put into our minds, we have to ask ourselves, are we falling, in, are we falling into this cycle that's been put forth by the enemy to blind our eyes to what's truly good and to make the things that are truly good seem boring and unappealing? So the first thing we have to ask ourselves is, man, are we believing lies? Are we believing lies that the enemy is put into our culture to believe that, man, living a pure life isn't really that fun? Or living a pure life really isn't that meaningful? Or living a pure life, I don't want to sacrifice the things that I do because ultimately that's what's going to get me the most pleasure in life. Are we truly believing lies that the enemy is putting out there? The second thing, like I said, our heart is the first thing, and is our heart deceived? Are we putting our trust and relying upon our pleasure coming from the screen? We'll dive into that in a second. The second is this. Are we being wise as Christians? Are we actually being wise as Christians? And the, the question there gets at the fact that we're spending nine hours a day on our phones. And as we scroll, 
In Proverbs, it says, can a man keep a fire close to his chest and not be burned? And as we scroll for hours and hours and hours, as Christians, most of us understand the weight of our sin. We understand, man, we have one bad day. We watch something that we're not supposed to watch. We watch, we fall into something, and then we have a bad month after that or bad weeks and the cycle continues where we have a good week and then all of a sudden one bad night happens and we fall back into the cycle over and over and over again. And the question is, is if that's happening over and over and over again, yet we still think that we can fight the temptation on our phones and scroll for hours on end thinking that temptation is not going to pop up and present itself to us, and we're thinking we're gonna, we think we're going to be strong enough to actually fight against it. And the truth is we're not. We're not. We're far too weak. Do you really think that Paul is reading and writing the New Testament when he himself in Romans 7 says, Who can rescue me from this body of death? that he was surrounded by the same temptations you guys are, it's utterly different. The culture in which we live right now is saturated with images, with temptation, with things that are designed to get at our desires. And purity, when I talk about it, it's so much more than just chastity. Oftentimes when we talk about purity, we are oftentimes talking about, people think that we're talking about chastity, and chastity essentially is what we believe to be true about the Bible when it says, do not commit adultery. In Exodus, when it says, do not commit adultery. In adultery, we can find the definition in the Bible is just anything is outside any sort of sexual intimacy that is outside God's design between a man and a woman in marriage. That's what it means. To be adulterous is to find yourself in situations that are outside of those parameters. And so oftentimes when we talk about purity, we talk and specify that as being purity. But the truth is, Purity and its, its topic is so much broader than just chastity. Chastity is within, within the umbrella of purity. But as we focus on purity, I want us to get a few things. And I want us to know, first and foremost, that our sin has consequences. Our sin has consequences. Our consequences for our sin are not just merely the fact that we've sinned against the holy God. We talk about it, we're talking about it tonight, every year at Hume we talk about sin and how sin separates us from God, right? And the truth is, is that's true. It's very true. And we know, we recognize in scripture that that's true. For the wages of sin are, is death. And we read that over and over again. But we fall into sin over and over again at the same time. I was watching this documentary the other night about a cult leader. 
And the cult leader was basically having um, the women in the, um, in the cult doing just these preposterous things. All these things, like they had to dress a very, very specific way. They had to do their hair a specific way. They had to make sure that um, they, were, they were wearing closed-toed shoes. They couldn't wear sandals. They, he was explaining that, um, that just the, the overbearance on this community of women was just astounding. And, and, and the difficulty for us and for people who approach God's word is that when we see those things and then we read the Bible about chastity or we, we read the Bible about committing adultery and how it's a sin, we oftentimes can see God in a way that's similar to a cult leader. We see God in a way that's like, man, he just, he's just bearing down on us, his claws, and he's just saying, this is what it means to be holy, or this is, what, this is what it means to be righteous. But I want you to notice something. There's something entirely different about what God does when he explains the nature of sin in the word of God. Paul, in Romans 7, says, who can rescue me from this body of death? There are physical and natural consequences of our sin. There are not just eternal consequences, where sin separates us from God, but there are natural consequences. And so what God is doing, in, in essence, when he says, Jesus, when he meets the adulterous woman, and he says, go and sin no more after having grace on this woman, why does he say that? Not just because they're sinning before a holy God, but because sin leads to death. The amount of testimonies that I have heard of people that were in bondage to their sin and couldn't come out and they felt trapped and they felt like the world was screaming, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And as they kept on pushing the boundary and as they kept on sinning, their minds became clouded with all these questions and they fell into despair and they started to ask the question, man, is God really real? Is life worth living? And they found themselves in a miserable state. Why? Because sin makes us miserable. It may seem fun for a time when we ask ourselves the question, after the 70th time of falling into temptation with our laptops, we begin to ask the question, man, is sin really as good as it promises to be? We know the answer is no. It's not. And there are natural consequences for our sin. And God wants us desperately to avoid those consequences as he asks us to obey him. It's not just an obedience for the sake of obedience. It's an obedience that leads to knowing him more and to enjoying him more than the things of this world. I'm going to tell you a little story about my life. When I was 15, I started dating a girl, um, and we were in a relationship, and I was in this relationship for six years. Six years of my life, I was in this relationship. And um, 
as I was navigating, I, at the time I was leading worship at our youth group, and I was, throughout high school, I was on the stage leading songs for, for the students, and um, you know, I'd, I'd help kind of be a voice in our Bible study, and I saw myself as a leader in our youth group. But as I was dating this girl, over the course of six years, you bet temptation bared its face, and you bet that we fell into temptation time and time and time again. And let me tell you, when you're in a relationship that just begins to habitually sin and fall into sin, it weighs on you like nothing else. And especially for me, as I was going up on stage and singing these songs and leading worship for these students, and, for, and, on, and I was one of the students, and as I was leading these songs, this nagging voice of shame in my head began to speak, and I recognized, man, how can I be doing this for a group of students when I am living in a way that is utterly opposed to what God wants for my life? I fell into sin time and time and time again, and it weighed on me, and it affected our relationship in a very ugly way. When you're intimate and when you're sexually intimate with somebody, before it's time, what ends up happening is you begin to become emotionally connected, not just physically connected. And as a result, when you're not mature enough to handle these things, and when you're not married, it just ultimately becomes ugly. And it leads you into places you don't want to go. And I thought I'd share that because I know that so many of us fall into the same things. And at the time, I actually was asked to come up here and work during a winter camp. And I was still dating her, and I was 21 years old. So six years later, I was 21 years old. Six years of falling into habitual sin, day after week after week. Not only that, falling into pornography and other things throughout my high school career. And as college hit, I was miserable, I was torn apart. And I felt just insurmountable guilt of the actions and the things that I fell into. And I never confessed it. I was too afraid to confess my sin. And as a result, I tried fighting it in the dark and on my bed at night when I was tempted. I mean, I begin to cry or I begin to just ask God to help me with this. And the, the truth is, is that God just needed me to bring it out into the light and to share the things that I was going through. And so I ended up doing that as I came up to Hume Lake. I shared it with a few close buddies, but we were all dealing with the same sin. And so we ultimately didn't really feel like, man, that bad about it. Because we were all just like, yeah, I struggle with that too. Yeah, I struggle with that too. And then it ended up being like this pity party. And that's never what it's supposed to be when it comes to confessing your sin. There actually has to be stakes. And so when I came up here, things began to change. Why? Because they're asking me to lead students. They're asking me to go into cabins 
and share God's word. And so all the more the pressure was heightened for me to share my sin and say, listen, I need help. I need to, conf- I need to confess this. So I did that. My friend Johnny, at the time, some of you guys know him. And from that moment on, I was still in this relationship. I just knew I had to break it off. Six years of building friendships together. Six years of of having this tight-knit group. Now we were in college, and I didn't want to disappoint anyone by breaking up with this person. But I knew it was the right choice to make. And the odds were stacked up against me. And I knew that I was going to end up ruining friendships. And so I decided that weekend to drive home for the sole purpose of breaking up with this girl. And let me just tell you, it's not her fault. It's, it's not just her fault. We were both falling into sin and temptation And I take equal responsibility in that. And for guys, it's easy for us to say, man, it's way harder for guys. But I know that girls, you fall into temptation as well. Into temptation as well. And so as I went to go and and obey God, because I knew that God wanted me to do this, I actually couldn't sleep until I did this. I was lying awake at night, and I knew that God was imprinting it on my heart to go and make the hard decision of obedience. And oftentimes, it's that decision that ends up leading to freedom. Why? Because God is calling us to do something, therefore we do it. And when we obey, when we choose to obey God, God reveals himself to us. It says that in John 14, the ones who love me obey me, and the ones who obey me, I will manifest myself to them. And so when I left... I went and broke up with this girl, and it was a really hard conversation. But as I did so, I began to see freedom in my life. And, and I know that, that there are many sins in our lives that hold us captive, and that there are times where we're, where we're going to fall into sin. I recognize that. But as I made this decision, what happened? I confessed my sin, and I followed in obedience. And the response was that, I was able to actually enjoy God. As you guys read in Psalms 119, it says down in verse 9, how can a young man keep his way pure? It's the same thing for a young woman. How can a young man or woman keep his way pure? It says it right there, by guarding it according to your word. But not only that, verse 10, with my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Listen, whether it's pornography, whether it's a sinful relationship where we're falling to sexual sin all the time, whether it's falling into temptation on Instagram, whether it's substance abuse, whether it's listening to foul, dirty music that then infuses itself into our brain, whether it's any of those things, the truth is is that we cannot just play defense against those things. 
We cannot just say, I'm going to stop doing this thing. 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 And not actually have a plan when we head down the hill. I want us to know that the only way that we can overcome our sin is by playing offense. And the way that we do that is by spending time in God's word. And not just spending time in God's word, not just spending time with him, but recognizing, man, if this world, if this entire world is designed to get at my desires, if this entire world is designed to help woo me in with the things that I want and and the things that my flesh want, what is the only way that I'm actually going to be able to fight my sin? It's by reversing the process and actually desiring God. And recognizing that God is better. That his presence is greater. That finding pleasure and enjoyment in God is actually so much more fulfilling than any of these carnal things and fleshly things in this world. Because unless we actually see God as better, unless we actually treasure God, how can we actually fight our sin? Because ultimately, we're just going to see sin as more fun, more pleasurable, more everything else. And we'll fill the pole harder and harder in that direction. So how do we do this? How does God change our desires? How does God change the way that we see him in a way in which we say, God, I need you. Not only do I need you, I want you. I want to spend time with you. I want to replace the time that I'm spending on my phones with time in your word. I want to be like David when he says, I seek you with my whole heart. With my whole heart I seek you. And when I seek you, I find enjoyment in your word. And when I find enjoyment in your word, I'm able to keep my way pure. Some of us have this cycle of just beating ourselves up every time we fall into sexual sin or temptation. We're just going to beat ourselves up. We're just going to talk badly about ourselves. That's what God wants, right? He just wants me to beat myself up. Well, no, actually. God wants you to find more pleasure in him than the pleasure that you find in the world. John Piper talks about this a lot. He's a famous pastor if you don't know him. And he has a famous uh, ministry called Desiring God. And if you guys have questions about this topic, I would encourage you to go to that website, Desiring God. Type in sexual purity. And there's just a list of articles that you can read about how we can fight our sexual sin. But I want to close with this. I want us to know that as we read Psalms 119, we need to recognize is that unless we actually see God as our treasure, unless we actually see God as somebody that we want to seek and follow, it'll be impossible for us to actually fight our sin. And we'll fall into the trap of just beating ourselves up 
And then we get into the cycle, we fall into sin, we watch things that we're not supposed to watch or we do things that we're not supposed to do with our boyfriend or girlfriend. And then we just beat ourselves up and then we fall into the same trap over and over and over and over again. And let me tell you this, when you go home, nothing's gonna change unless your life begins to change and you actually start to change your habits. And one of the main ways that we can actually change our habits and then therefore would change our lives and what we're tempted by is by spending less time on our phones and more time in the word of God. Some of us, as we come up here to Hume Lake, we begin to think like, man, the Hume High, the Camp High, we go back down and we get just, it's just really, really hard to trust and follow the Lord. Can I tell you, it's no mystery why you feel close to God right now. It's no mystery why the temptations that you're usually tempted by down the hill are not really showing their faces this week. It's no mystery to that. Why? Because you've actually been obedient to God. You've actually done what David is talking about here in Psalms 119. You've actually been dwelling in his word. In the mornings, we're opening God's word and we're worshiping. In the evenings, we're opening God's word and we're worshiping. We're spending time with other believers. We're spending way less time on our phones. We're spending time in God's creation. It's no mystery why you feel closer to the Lord. You don't have a camp high, you have an obedience high. And let me tell you, the, the enjoyment that you feel as you're roaming camp, as you're spending time reading God's word, the enjoyment that you feel, the freedom that you feel maybe even, and it's not about feelings, but God has given us motions for a reason. There's no mystery to that. Jesus, John 8, he says this, if you abide in my word, you will know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free. There is freedom found in God's word, and we have it at our disposal, at our disposal. And so many of us, so many of us we have an infinite amount of time to spend on God's word, yet we're spending it playing Fortnite. We're spending it on our screens, we're spending comparing ourselves to other women, we're spending it comparing ourselves to other men, we're spending it to listen to music that have no business being in our ears as Christians. I'll leave you with this. The time is now. Do you want to be dealing with your sin for the next 30 years. I see it often in ministry as well. Or do you want freedom? Confess your sin. Don't only just confess, obey God. And the only way we know how to obey God is by spending time in his word and prayer. And those three things we can do those things. I know it sounds simple, and I know you guys probably have been told this a million times, but I'm telling you as a personal testimony in my own life, man, when I sacrificed the other things and pursued those three things, confessing my sin, obedience, and spending time in God's word, I experienced true freedom. I experienced God's presence in my life and I saw God as so much greater than the things that this world has to throw at me. So much greater. 
and my worldview changed about what sin is? And some of us need to change the way that we think. Some of us throughout this year in our culture tells us things are okay and they're not. And the reason that they're not is not just because God says so. It is because God says so. But it's also because there are natural consequences for our sin. Who can rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to Christ. Are you thankful for him? Are you thankful for the work that Jesus did in your life? Are you thankful that he saved you? Live like you're thankful. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we're thankful for your word. And um, I pray for these students, God, as they battle temptations. May we recognize what it means to live a pure life. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Appreciate you guys. Thank you.